Well, Psalm 122. Let's give our attention to the Word of God. A song of ascents of David. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. The grass withers and the flowers fall. The word of our God stands forever. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, this is number three of the songs of ascents, these sojourner songs, these psalms for travelers. Uh, And as we've mentioned before, many commentators would say these are a particular collection of psalms, a psalter within the psalter, uh, that perhaps was particularly used by uh, pilgrims in Jerusalem as they made their way to Jerusalem for those three feasts uh, that they were commanded to attend every year. We've had Psalm 120, this cry of trouble. And then Psalm 121, the psalmist finding his comfort in the Lord. Unto the hills I lift my eyes. Where does my help come from? His help and his comfort is from the Lord. And in Psalm 122 now, there's this joy of making it there and being able to come to the worship of God. I was hoping to do, intending to do this psalm in one sermon. Couldn't do it. Uh, Well, maybe I could have. Chose not to do it. And I hope that that will be a blessing tonight because I couldn't get past the first verse. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so for tonight... In this Psalm 122, the first thing that we'll consider is the joy of worship. The joy of worship. We have private worship in our lives, family worship in many ways in our homes and households. But here, obviously, is a reference to corporate public worship. Psalm 87, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. There was a commanded corporate public worship of God. In the Old Testament, there was synagogue worship in the different towns. These towns had their synagogues. Uh, But then there was the temple in Jerusalem in those three annual feasts, Exodus 23, 15 through 17. The Feast of Unleavened Bread or Passover, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And three times a year, the Jewish men were commanded to go and worship there. Next time, Lord willing, we'll consider 
uh, what's just so obvious there in Psalm 122 uh, as it speaks of Jerusalem and how we are to understand the place and significance of Jerusalem, especially as people singing this psalm in the year 2022. How are we to take all this? But that will be for next time, Lord willing. For now, this afternoon, this declaration of joy. You know, the Bible in the book of James is compared to a mirror. And in many ways, it's the mirror of God's law, which itself, the law, is a reflection of God's own holy character. But when we look into the law of God, we see a reflection of ourselves. We see how we match up to God's holy law revealed in his word, into that mirror. One of those laws is given by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, if you know that verse, I'm sure that almost all of us do, it may seem strange to people that an emotion like joy could be commanded. Don't you just feel how you feel? If the circumstances are conducive to joy, then I'll rejoice. But biblical joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is rooted in the truth of God and in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a matter of truth then spilling over, as it were, or informing or conforming the will and the emotions. We start with the truth as it is in Jesus. And we believe as Christians that that is good. And so we want to choose what is good because it's good. And we rejoice in what is good because it's good. The mind, the will, the emotions coming together. And so God can command joy. Despite circumstances that are less than joyful. Habakkuk 3, the end of that small book of Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, you have a right to be gloomy. No, yet. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Well, if we are commanded to rejoice always... That must include going to worship, because worship is part of always. That's exactly the theme of Psalm 122, verse 1, the joy of worship. I've read this verse this afternoon. We began this worship service singing it. Is it your experience? Is it my experience? I rejoiced 
with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Or do we just sing it without thinking about it? The Psalms are wonderful to sing. It's God's word that he's given us to sing. And sometimes we sing these words and it's exactly where our hearts are. Have you had that? You're just so thankful that God has given you words for wherever your life is, whatever your heart is going through. And there it is, right there. And you can sing it back to him. But that's not always the case. Sometimes I sing the word of God and my heart is in a very different place. We're commanded to sing these psalms, so it's not hypocritical to sing. But it should become for us then a prayer as we're singing it. Lord, this is not where I am. Change me. You can pray these things as you're singing. And because sometimes we need to do that. Because maybe a verse like this isn't true of us at a particular time or season in our life. You know, did you ever sing that song as a kid, uh, if you're happy and you know it? You know, and there you all are, you're, you're in this group, you're sitting all in the circle and everyone's watching you and if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Well, I better clap my hands because everyone will see me if I don't clap my hands and I don't want to deal with that, so I'll just clap my hands. But you're not happy. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Is it your experience? Now, I know there may be services of worship. Every service of worship should be Hebrews 12 worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. But there may be services of worship. There may be seasons in our life that are especially solemn and sometimes even very sad. And so this verse isn't saying you can never be sad. That's just fake. There are sad things that happen. Remember Pastor Donnelly saying that years ago they had a young couple in the congregation and uh, something happened to their first child in the womb. I'm not sure exactly the details of it. But that came out, and people were praying about it. And that Sunday, that, that Lord's Day, they sang Psalm 139 about being knit together in the mother's womb. And he said it was the most pitiful singing you'd ever heard in the congregation. He said people would have come in and said, what is that? He said they were just, people were just whimpering, weeping as they're trying to sing. And he said there was a beauty to it that the world could never know. And so we know that that's true. But even then, should there not be a note of joy in all of our worship for a Christian? Again, as we know the truth as it is in Jesus... Do I rejoice then in going to worship? 
Do I rejoice in participating in worship? Am I sad when I am providentially hindered from worship? Here's the other side of it, and we'll sing it later on. We sang the last part of Psalm 42 just now. We're going to sing the first part. Here's another psalm to look into the mirror of. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping the festival. There, there's a real sadness that for whatever reason, he's not able to go to worship with God's people. Is that my experience? That's the other side of the coin. If I don't attend worship, on any given day. For reasons beyond my control or for reasons in my control, does something strike me as that's not good? That's not right. I don't like this. I don't want that. I want to be there. I want to be there. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Have there been times when you've had a Psalm 122, verse 1 experience? My mind goes to the several times we had the blessing of attending an international conference. Gone a couple times in the United States and once in Ireland. Going to the one in the United States, I remember being on the highway somewhere in Indiana and seeing a van uh, beside us with a sign, I think it said, uh, RPIC, Reformed Presbyterian International Conference, RPIC or bust. And, uh, you know, you see people inside and they're, they're happy and you honk and you wave and there's an anticipation and an excitement and a rejoicing to be going. Sinclair Ferguson has commented on Psalm 122 that for the Israelite, those three annual festivals were, and he used this phrase, Big church. That was big church. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's something especially joyful in those times. And so many Christians gather together. Conferences, maybe that you've attended. Maybe it's even been just a combined worship service with several congregations. And it's, it's great. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. More people, fewer empty seats, better singing, just an atmosphere of privilege and joy. And that's great. And, and we should thank God for times like that. But we should stop and ask ourselves, if the joy that we experience is merely coming from outward circumstances. Of course, we can and we should rejoice on those special circumstances. I think it would be wrong not to. But God has blessed the Sabbath day. What then? 
Are we rejoicing week in and week out? Jesus went to the synagogue week in and week out. Luke 4.16, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. I often think about what it was like for Jesus to go to worship. The Son of God. Walking in with all those people that were sinners. Not him. Listening to someone. Read and expound his word. Amazing humility. And if anyone could have said, I don't need this, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus went, and I believe, according to the word of God, that he rejoiced to go. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Even as Jesus experienced more and more suffering in his life, which culminated on the cross, the writer to the Hebrews says something striking. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who have endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Even in that suffering, as it intensified on his way to the cross, Jesus knew joy. Joy was somewhere in his thinking and in his mind. If joy was there for Jesus even then, it surely must be here for us now. In light of all that he's done. And so we're back to the question that Psalm 122 verse 1 asks implicitly, do I rejoice to go to worship? The answer may have various angles to it, but in light of verse 1, the question needs to be asked, doesn't it? I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I tried to think of different people's experience in worship and what might be going on. Of course, you can't completely walk in someone else's shoes all the time, but I, I can imagine people, maybe it's someone watching on the live stream, who's very unhappy in their current congregation. And they're not rejoicing. I speak to people this sometimes about their church experience. And you ask, why? What's going on? Perhaps the word isn't being preached. Maybe the atmosphere is irreverent. Well, a Christian in that situation shouldn't be rejoicing. We shouldn't be quick to leave a biblical Christ-preaching, Christ-loving congregation, but some churches have departed so far from Scripture, they might actually be outside the visible church. Then that person needs to ask another question about why they're there. But short of that, short of that situation, which is possible, why can it be my experience at times, and I'm speaking just generally, but I include myself in it, why 
Are there times when I am joy-deprived? Why can there be occasions when I am joy-challenged, even in coming to worship? And what can help me? Often, I, I love seeing you kids here at worship. I love seeing you come in through those doors because most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time you have a big smile on your face and you're really happy to be here. And that makes me happy. I smile. Your smile is contagious. Sometimes a cold or a flu is contagious, but your smile can be contagious. You are just rejoicing that it's Sunday and you're rejoicing to be at worship. Our kids so often love to come. They're sad to miss it. But we can be cynical as we get older and just dismiss that. Well, they're just kids. They don't know what I know. They don't see what I see. If they knew what this world was like, they'd be less smiley. If they knew what I know about this congregation, their joy might be a little harder to come by. If they had my cares and concerns, and we can start they may I'd be joyful too if it weren't for all these things that I'm seeing. But beloved, the way to know joy is not seeing less, but by seeing more. At least to have a deliberate focus on bigger things and higher things. As we come to worship, it's helpful, I think, to look back, to look above, and to look ahead. Look back, look above, look ahead. Take time especially when we're not in a Psalm 122, verse 1, state of heart and mind, take time to look back, to look back to Eden and creation and then the fall. And to remember that because of Adam's sin, man was expelled from the garden. In judgment, God said, go. And one day, to those outside of his grace, he will say, depart. But in the gospel, Jesus says, come. We can so easily forget the wonder of grace and the privilege of having been brought from darkness to light, the joy of forgiveness and reconciliation to God. As we come to worship, it would be good for us to think, at least on occasion, here I am going to worship as a Christian. God, if it wasn't for your grace, where would I be tonight? Where might I be? And would I rather be there than here? And so we should find ourselves praying Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation.
We need to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We need to look above. We need to remember the free grace that we have in him, and we need to remember where he is. As we gather here, he is at the right hand of God, ruling over all things and building his church. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's as we meditate upon the person and work of Christ that the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows in our life. And one of those fruit is joy. There are so many things that if we really focus on the things that are happening in the world around us, It's not calculated to bring you joy. Or if we look inside us, I can understand a joylessness, but not when I look above. Not when I think of what Jesus has done and where he is now and what he's doing and will do. Then I know joy. So much so that Paul can say, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And you know what he goes on to say after that, don't you? Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Rejoice, thanksgiving, Don't be anxious in the Lord. Look back, look up, and look ahead. You know, even now as we worship here, and this is an article of faith, we don't don't know this and experience it by sight, but by faith. As we gather here, and as every Christian church gathers, wherever it gathers around the world, even if they gather in a, a huge, beautiful building or a cave in the mountains, There is a heavenly connection. Hebrews 12. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. How do the angels worship? Joyfully. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Every church worship service on this earth, as one writer said, is prophetic of our one day being happy in the Father's house on high. We need to look ahead. We need to think of heaven and eternal glory. Am I rejoicing to be going there? Will we be glad then? In Fox's Book of Martyrs, as it's called, is Acts and Monuments, tells the story of a, of a pastor named Wolfgang Such. I don't know if exactly how that's pronounced, Such, but he was a martyr in the time of the Reformation. 
He preached justification by faith alone and Christ alone. But he was condemned as a heretic. Upon hearing, Fox says, upon hearing the sentence that he was to be burned, pronounced upon him, he began to sing. So many of the martyrs did. He began to sing the 122nd Psalm. Tied to a stake, they're about to light the fire at his feet. I was glad to hear them saying, to the Lord's house, let us go. That's amazing. He looked ahead. He looked ahead to the great congregation above and to heavenly worship, and he rejoiced. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So, beloved, rejoice in the Lord always. Why, O my soul, are you cast down? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And before we leave verse 1, we just have to see, don't we, that there is a double joy here. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There is a joy in the writer himself going, and there is a joy that others have encouraged him to go. There's a joy in them as well, I think we can assume. This verse, verse 1 of Psalm 122, is not only a verse that speaks of the joy that we have in and of ourselves. It's not just a strictly individualistic part of God's word. It, it, it too is corporate. It's part of something that the whole church is involved in. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There is an encouragement here in these things. Hebrews 10, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's something that should bring us joy too. We should be glad when others encourage us to go to worship. It should bring us joy. Does it? Spurgeon, writing over 100 years ago, said something that I thought was just so contemporary. When he was saying about people encouraging other people to go to worship, he said, some people would be offended and say, mind your own business. I didn't know that they had that saying 150 years ago, but they did. Mind your own business. No. Let's rejoice to be encouraged to go. And not write it off and say, mind your own business. But be thankful that God has put people in my life and in your life to encourage me in good things. Rejoice to be encouraged and rejoice to encourage others. It's a good thing to do. 
Don't feel embarrassed to do it. Don't get weary in doing it. Keep encouraging each other to the worship of God. And if we do, we'll be fulfilling prophecy. Zechariah 8.21 And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going.